Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. Brad, we are back a little a little later this week because your Rammies were on Monday Night Football. And I know yeah. the game didn't turn out the way that you wanted. Yeah, but it was least, awful. But but <laughs> at the very least, uh, these these games are competitive, I would say. You know what? My wife walked in, and she had kind of been around the house, and she walked in, the clock was counting down, and then it was uh, final scores, 19 to 16. She goes, hey, at least it was close. <laughs> and I go, no, it really wasn't. It was really one of the most poorly coached games from McVay that I've seen since their loss in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Oh, wow. I mean, it was, it was the Bengals have one of the worst run defenses. He abandoned the run about three minutes into the game. Um, Kyron Williams only got 10 rush attempts the entire game and it was a close game. They could have dominated on the ground and played off of that to the pass. And uh, we had a, a backup left tackle who had to come in and they didn't give him any help and he's awful. And so, yeah, it was just ugly, but you know, growing pains when you got a young team. So I didn't see it. How did uh, Puka play? He played pretty well. I mean, they kind of kept kept him in check. Um, Tutu Atwell had a lot of catches. Uh, and uh, Tyler Higby, the tight end, had a lot of catches. Uh, but, you know, they kind of kept Puka in check for a while. And then he had a big catch at the end of the game that got them a touchdown. But, you know, again, they scored uh, seven points with 104 left in the game and then had to get an onside kick to even get a try at a field goal. So that, that's how it, it really wasn't even that close. It okay. Was like, uh, yeah. I just, I just saw the yeah. score and now it was, like, I did see, I did see an article because, so what I do mm-hmm. because I do a Fortnite's podcast and I want to read up on the teams during the week is on the athletic. You can subscribe to teams so I'm oh, always right. subscribed to the Rams. So I get to uh, even in my notifications, stuff on the Rams comes through. And I saw, you know, kind of what you said, which is just yeah. off offense was horrendous. No, it was bad. I mean, just the play calling was just bad. Honestly, it even though they're a young team, they could have gone in there and won that game. I think if we would have stuck with a running game plan and and just kind of rammed it down their throats because the defense was playing really well. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow's got the hurt calf. He couldn't really move around a whole lot. So Aaron Donald was snacking on him most of the game. But uh, yeah, it happens. It happens. It's it's frustrating to watch Sean McVay get in his own head sometimes. He's yeah. You know, he's like, I'm gonna come out. We're the best uh, passing offensive team in the nfl right now so we're going to come out and just do that you know yeah i mean i think you kind of got to read the room and say these are the Bengals, and and we can run against them but again i'm sitting here he's over there with the job so what do i know yes yes (laughs) well um 
you know, in, in today's sports, if you are not necessarily a dynasty, sometimes you got to pay the piper for, for winning a title. Oh, for it sure. It kind of works that for way sure. sometimes. Yeah. All right. So what are we going to talk about here? Obviously, sort of the ending to a, a disappointing giant season. I saw Logan Webb after last night's game where he goes complete game, uh, win two to one win. And he just said, I'm just tired of losing. And I thought about it and I was like, he's tired of losing. But just two years ago, they won yeah. uh, 107 games, right? And right. how long has he even been on the roster to where losing has become a big part? Like, I would, I would imagine, I don't remember when he came up in uh, before 2021. But for the, at least for the last three seasons, the Giants have been 500 or better. But it does. I, the, the, the reason why I kind of sympathize with him is because it does feel like they've just been losing. Yeah. And they're only one game under 500. But this was what we were talking about last week. I think you specifically said it. 81 and 81 is just as bad. It's almost like we nothing happened. Like we just, you know, we have the same season as last year. And last year we thought was a bit of a failure. So. Uh, I, I just found Logan Webb's comment interesting about that because, uh, you know, they, they beat a team in San Diego Padres who they are still a couple of games ahead of. And we were talking about maybe the Padres could actually come back and catch us. <laughs> and, you know, they still have two games left, but I don't think that they can actually uh, make the playoffs either. So I think the Padres are actually eliminated. Uh, and the Giants are just hanging on the hair of their chinny chin chin here. I think they, if they go undefeated and then if most of the other teams lose their games, <laughs> they have a chance, but uh, probably not going to happen at this point. No, and, and I know Logan's a team player and I know he's talking about the team, but honestly, when, when I read that quote at first and I'm tired of losing, I thought, yeah, I'm tired of them not scoring runs for you either, man. I mean, mm -hmm. you're 11 and 13 and you got these fantastic, um, outline pitching numbers. And I mean, ERA is good. It's not, you know, phenomenal, but again, for this day and age that, you know, we're back to kind of the live ball era. So, I mean, he's, he's got what a three, three something ERA. So that that's good enough to get you like 15 wins on most teams. Yeah. 15, 16 wins maybe. But so I thought at first, when I read that quote, I go, Oh, he's tired of not getting run support, but I got, nah, he's not that type of guy. He's, he's, he's talking about the team. But then I thought too, 500 last year, close to 500 this year, two years ago or three years ago, 107 wins. So yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought not losing that much. You're losing as much as you're winning, but overall, since you've been on the club, you've won more games than you've lost, but tired of not making the playoffs, I think is probably what he was closer to. to yeah, I think saying. so too. I, I think that's what it was all about. Yeah. The giants have been in the news a little bit nationally Everybody Bef hates us. I, well, Tom <laughs> Verducci, uh, I guess Sports Illustrated is still a thing, even though uh, yeah, their I website is so. terrible. Uh, but because we have Apple News, we get the SI articles in our uh, Apple News feed. And he wrote an article. And I just wanted to read a little bit from this article because it was basically a lot of the things that you and I talk about, though I felt that there was more of a negative slant to it. And maybe at this point, we're supposed to be a little bit more negative than we generally are, but that's just mm. not kind of how we do things. So I'm going to read you this little uh, little paragraph here and give me your thoughts on it. So Verducci writes, my problem with the Giants, and I, he must have a personal problem with the Giants the way that he wrote that. He must be just as frustrated as we are. 
My problem with the Giants, especially if they cap this season with a playoff berth, now that is not going to happen. He wrote this so about a week and a half ago, yeah. is how other teams might copy their gig economy approach to baseball. It is not fan-friendly. Truncated starts by pitchers, an ever-changing lineup with role players and no stars, a 16-person coaching staff, the worst team speed of any contender, the Giants are a well-managed success more than they are an aesthetic one. What are your thoughts about that? You know, I don't know. Rest assured, Tom Verducci, you don't have to worry about us making the playoffs at this point. <laughs> and so you, so then I guess at that point, you have to not worry about people copying us and, and what it is we do. But, you know, Zadie came out and, 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 and I totally understand his point. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I don't like the stance nowadays in, in 2023 that if you don't agree with this person, I mean, there, there's a line. It's like you're either this or you're either that. I'm so black and or I'm not so unblack and white. I'm so gray. It's ridiculous. I'm so, I mean, look at this. I'm gray. I'm even gray <laughs> up here. I'm so gray that I, I can look at a team and I can say, well, you know, I see the good points and I see the bad points and I can give a team time and I can give a regime time. So I, I, just because I like what Zadie had to say in response to that doesn't mean I'm a Zadie apologist. There are some things about the way he does things that I don't like. Um, but, but for him to say, look, this was the necessity. This is what we had to do. Stripling, um, Manea, and I'm trying to remember who else it was uh, that they were kind of bashing on. Stripling, Manea, uh, and somebody else just weren't pitching up to snuff at the beginning of the season. So they had to kind of work other other uh pitchers in there and they had the luxury of having like an eight-man rotation how much did we joke about that before the season yeah. started that we we have like an eight-man rotation yeah um so you can bring in guys like tristan back and and keaton win and you can junis. bring those guys what's that junis junis sean uh yeah you jelly. aren't ready for this jelly. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, nobody's he's been he's been up and down. Man, yeah. That that guy should never like he should just live at a hotel. Like yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I pretty much look at that and say, yeah, I get it. I mean, they had to do what they had to do at the beginning of the season. Now you see a little bit more of a rotation. Here we are, at the end of the season. You're starting to see, you know, uh, a Logan Webb. Alex Cobb, when he was healthy, now he's gone for the rest of the season. But Sean Manea threw seven innings the other day. Mm -hmm. He's kind of worked back up. So if that was his biggest that, game of the season, right? Manea's. It was. And and he pitched really well. And he has pitched really well at the last, like, I don't know, couple months of the season. Uh, but if you look at that going into next season, and then you look at Tristan Beck, and, and you look at Keaton Wynn, and you say, well, I mean, we've got Webb, Beck, uh, you know, if they can, I think is Cobb still under contract for next season? I can't remember, but I haven't seen his names when they're, when his name, when they're talking about uh, rotation predictions for next year. But if you go um, Webb, Harrison, Wynn and Beck, then you're starting to build yourself a rotation. Cobb is a club, uh, so the Giants can pick up his option. So they will for twenty twenty four. I'm sure they will. And so that's and, another. And he's, he needs a bargain at ten million. Yeah, exactly. And so and and there's always a chance they they redo that deal and say, hey, let's do another two year deal, and uh, let's up you to twelve. Maybe the flip is if they don't, they would have to buy him out for two million. That would be the. 
Okay, and so that's an eight million dollar difference. I mean, yeah. you're getting Alex Cobb for eight million bucks, basically. So you might as well just hang on to him. Although we thought the same with Longoria last year, but it was a different situation. Longoria yes. was like, you know, seventy nine years old, so it's a little yeah. Alex different. Cobb didn't have a uh, a clock counting down to when he was gonna. pretty much (laughs) yeah and i i think evan longoria has been pretty decent for the diamondbacks this season uh, when no pressure either for him no pressure at all i mean he's just out there having a good time and that that's where you know that's where a lot of major league baseball players kind of go to ride off into the sunset because they already live there because they're yeah. doing spring training down in Arizona. They already have a house there and they're like, well, I might as well just live here year round. It's always 108 degrees every day. Right. And then yeah. it cools down to one Oh five at night. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I get where Verducci was coming from, but that was, I mean, this, I think that was a situation this year. The giants just kind of had to live by it. And I like the fact that the team can adapt because you look at the flip side and you say, what if they didn't adapt? Adapt? What if they just kept throwing these guys out there every game, kept pushing them to six and seven innings to see what they can do? This could possibly be a 90-95 loss team mm-hmm. if you push the narrative of let's stick with this five-man rotation. This is what they we gave them money to do. No, you have conversations with these guys. You say, look, this is what we have to do. Uh, Alex Wood, he was one of the other ones. But we have to say, look, you're going to have to come in in the second, third inning. You're going to have to give us four innings, and then we'll get you out of there. If we start you, then we start getting in this weird bullpen situation. But we have other guys like Brebby and Ryan Walker and Jacob Junis who can go two innings, uh, you know, and and then we can get you bridged to Tyler Taylor and then Doval and mm-hmm. in that situation. So, but but to now have looking at next year a possible five-man rotation that Zadie and Kapler are kind of hitting on in the press right now that I think we might have a rotation. Even Kapler said this is the first time we might have an actual rotation since I've been here uh, next season. So you can look at Ryan Walker, kind of push him towards the back end of the bullpen. Jacob Juna's back into the bullpen. Brebbia back into the bullpen. Now you start looking at this beefy back end of the bullpen. Okay, but did you buy that comment as – we don't we we won't do this because I look at Harrison, Keaton Wynn, both really young pitchers that you're gonna you're you're not just gonna be able to throw them out there for six and seven innings. You're gonna have to really manage them at a micro level because of the right. fact that they're young. And so when when I heard that statement, I said, Well, that's good PR for people t- to get off their back because that's gonna be the big question that they're gonna get asked in the offseason. But I'm not sure that I completely bought it. I sort of feel like we're going to see a lot of the the similarities. Now, obviously, injuries are going to be a part of it. We we won't know about that. Mm. But Beck, also a young guy, I I'm not sure that that they're going to be able to resist or that they will be able to. You know, it's not like you're rolling out. You know. Glavin and Smoltz and Maddox and, and Steve Avery. Like, yeah, yeah if you go sure. roll out those guys, then you can just tell the bullpen, you know, you only got to worry about one day a week, man. But, yeah, but like, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, finish your thought. Sorry. No, I, I just, I sort of felt like there was a, a strategy to that statement being that I know that you guys are going to ask us about this. And here's my answer before we even get to the off season. Yeah. And I get that. And I think I look at it as a twofold. Yes. I kind of bought it. Because I think you want to start telling Tristan Beck and Keaton Wynn, get ready. 
get yourself going, stretch yourself out in the off season, working at the fact that there's a good possibility you can be part of the rotation. Is it going to be a five man rotation where the San Francisco giants, we have Farhan Zaidi. It's probably going to be a six man rotation. It's probably going to be a seven man rotation. Yeah. Um, it's probably going to get stretched out and that's fine. But if you have six or seven guys that, you know, you can get to the sixth or seventh inning, uh, like a Sean Manea, if, if Manea opts in, that's another piece of the puzzle. I'm not expecting Stripling to opt in only because uh, I know he's had a, a, a rough season. but and, and I think he'll be making $15 million next year. I think it was like 10 and then 15 or something like that, or 11 and 14. It was kind of lopsided. It wasn't the 12 and 12 or 12 and a half and 12 and a half to equal 25. But I think if he opts out, um, it's going to because it be, be because of some comments that he made just about a month ago that he wasn't happy with. Um, right. Uh, the w- w- is he the one who made the comments about the Phantom IL or was that Wood? That was Stripling. I think that was Stripling, and he yeah. basically said, "Like I don't like I don't like being in limbo. I don't like being in a situation. I think I'm strong enough. I can uh, you know help the team right now. Get me in there. I I want to start. I want to be a starter. So I think he'll probably opt out. I think Manea might stay because Manea kind of has found a second life in the second half of the season. He may want to build on that. He's young enough. He could have another season with the Giants. Again, great ballpark." Um, He's, he pitched well the second half of the season. If he can now be a starter. Uh, so, so I bought it for that. I bought it for that. Uh, um, maybe I'm a sucker. Maybe I'm, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm what the Jonas well, brothers write about. I'm the sucker, <laughs> but, but, but not only that, but I also look at it as maybe it's Farhan getting out there that, Hey, these are our starters, by the way. Uh, you know, Atlanta Braves or Cincinnati Reds, you guys have a player over there. We've got a starting pitcher that we'd like to sell you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe it was a label put on just for trade purposes to, you know, kind of get the names out there. So I would say that the way that you and I try and look at things is definitely in, in the optimistic sense. I think part of it is sometimes we don't like i would like to feel that we're not talking to robot gabe like that we're talking to like real human with human feelings gabe because yeah. sometimes is, is there know, one is there one i sure. mean he just yeah he just comes across so robotic and i saw yeah. susan slusser she had posted a, a comment that that gabe had made which is very normal gabe you know po- very political statement covering both sides so that no one can really question it. And somebody who I follow on Twitter replied like negatively towards, towards his comment. And Susan Slusser was like, the guy can't win for losing. Like it's just, you know, with this fan base right now. So I get that part. Uh, And, and I think, I think it's normal for fans to kind of, you know, have their eyebrows raised a little bit at what this regime says. And the reason I'd say the, here's the main reason. In the offseason, and we talked about this all offseason long, Giants need to get more athletic. Giants need to get faster. The stolen base is back. The Giants need to improve defensively. Those are the things that we said have to, have to, have to happen. Farhan Zaidi, same thing. He said, we got to get faster. We got to improve athletic. And do after thinking about that, were we sold a bill of goods? Because that did not happen. They are worse 
from the stolen base perspective than than they were last year, right? That they their team right. speed is putrid for a game that got faster for everybody. You look at the teams and the players who who's going to dominate these MVP conversations. It's Mister Forty Sixty, or uh, is that is that how many stolen bases Acuna has? Does he have? Yeah, yeah, he's got uh, he's got sixty eight. So he's just two away from forty seventy. I mean, he, he, you know, just phenomenal season. I, I don't. Do the Giants have a guy who has fifteen stolen bases? I I think I'm I'm going to guess Tyro is is tops for the for the. Team. I believe Tyro has twenty. Okay. I can take a quick look, but yeah, I believe Tyro is above twenty, maybe. So, and, so but the, he I mean, got there early. He had, yeah, it's been a while since he's stolen more bases. So. And so if a fan is like, well, I'm just not buying what they're putting down until I see it, I completely understand that because I think we were very patient last year uh, when when all these conversations were happening and they did not get it done. And, you know, you could say, well, they tried to get the, some of the bigger players and, and Judge would have worked out and Correa probably wouldn't have. And they, they were in on those guys. But ultimately, again, you know, you, you come up second and so thus, uh, what is your focus uh, if, you, if you don't get those guys? Well, you know, n- now, now you, you struck out. We go back to finding other people's problems who we turn into a, a bit of a benefit to us. So there were a couple bags. Andrew Baggerly was just on fire this week. <laughs> yeah, he was so, a good time on Twitter today. <laughs> he, wrote, uh, he wrote about Logan Webb. He's, he wrote, uh, this was uh, during the week. Uh, last week, he wrote, the Giants should count themselves lucky to have Webb the pitcher. They might count themselves even luckier to have Webb the professional, and not merely because he hasn't kvetched about the lack of runs. There's a whole lot more that Webb has every right to be steamed about. He's the only player in the five-year Farhan Zaidi regime as team president of baseball ops to receive more than a three-year commitment. He is more invested in the future of this franchise than any other player. He has watched the roster churn around him. He has looked at the lineup card and seen players like Jock Peterson. And we'll get more. We'll talk a little bit more on Jock in a bit. And your mean Mercedes playing left field behind him. He's watched the front office do next to nothing to bolster the lineup or rotation at the trade deadline. Instead, leveraging... Kyle Harrison for three starts of 90 plus pitches when he hadn't thrown that many since last year for low a San Jose. He pitched in a rotation that used tandem starters and openers and frustrated veterans like Stripling and Alex Wood. And the Giants only had the option of trying their scheme because Webb continued to perform as the ultimate bulk pitcher without complaint, loading up innings on his 26 year old shoulder. So that paragraph now I'm trying to figure out Baggerly, uh, not his source of uh, or reason, but he's somebody who has watched things happen in the clubhouse, and he's sort of been able to observe, and he's got a perspective, and he's got an opinion about how things are going in this uh, Gabe Kapler era. In another article, he said Kapler lets the players basically police themselves, and that was not in a positive. It was it was sort of in a negative. So I, I sat back and I tried to think about: Is this coming directly from Logan? Is this Baggerly's perspective on Logan? I'm going to guess that you know 
it's probably not exactly verbiage from from Logan, but I think Baggerly probably talks to people who who know Logan or talks to teammates who are close to Logan. And Logan did sign that contract, right? Mm-hmm. He did sure. get re-upped. He got he, he the, the Giants bought all of his arb, arbitration years, so he is with this team for a long time. And now he is kind of the point person on the team. In previous iterations of this team, it may have been Buster Posey. It may have been Brandon Crawford. To a lesser extent, Brandon Belt. All of those guys are going to be gone. Crawford's going to be gone. So he is going to be the vet of this team and the one with the with the voice. And I just wonder, what can he do? What can he say? to basically point to everything that bags just wrote to go, okay, that thing right there that we tried to do, it didn't work. Let's try a different way. Let's figure out a different way because we need to get faster, better defensively, all of those things. Right. And yeah, I just, I just really, I just really wonder if the organization takes something like that and goes, yeah, we need to kind of change it up or they just go, you know what? Trust the process. This is going to work. And, you know, one out of seven times, this is going to work. And we're coming up on time number seven, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think we've, I think you and I have watched so many sports over the years, just yeah. so many different sports along with baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, everything. Uh, and and I, I think what we realize is that the best coaches are the ones that can adapt to their roster. You're not always going to have every player that you want. If you're, you know, if you coach basketball and you're a three point shooting team, you're going to try to gather those three point shooters, but then you're going to kind of lack somewhere else. Yes. Um, And, and I think that's kind of the way it is with the giants. They, they want to gather the guys that can get on base. That's, you know, good. eye, hit the ball hard, put the ball in play. Don't strike out as much as most other players, but you're going to miss something somewhere. And a lot of times it's going to be speed or that's going to be defense. So you're going to put those players on the field. So I think if the giants had those players that were fast, that were good base dealers, then I think we would see a philosophy shift. Mm-hmm. They would kind of go with that situation. I don't think, you know, obviously they're, it's, it's not that we're not running because, you know, that's not what we do. I, I mean, look at the stats. We yeah, were just you're, just not gonna, you're just not like jocks on first. Okay, no. green light. <laughs> Let's steal a he's, bag. He's stealing. But, yeah. you know, he, he could probably do a couple of delayed steals where the catcher's like, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and look at our numbers. I mean, Tyro Estrada, 22 stolen bases this season. Who's the next guy behind him is Michael Conforto and Blake Sable with four. Oh my God. There's a gigantic (laughs) gap. Then after that, you got Brandon Crawford and Bryce Johnson, who's not even around anymore. And those guys have stolen three bases each. One of them is 125 years old. And the other one just isn't on the roster anymore. Played. 20 games for the Jets. But but here's the other issue. Neither one of them are hitting or, or have hit this season over 200. So they're just not getting on base. Luis Matos in 73 games, three stolen bases. But that only translates to maybe seven or eight stolen bases over the course of a full season. Yeah. Uh, Casey Schmidt, two stolen bases, but again, only hitting 202. So you got to get on base. So their situation, I mean, it, it's just 
nothing has gelled into a situation this season where we said like, man, we need to run more. Yeah. You know what? You got to get on base yeah. and you got to get on base with base dealers before you can think to run. You're not running with Wilmer Flores who is getting on base. Uh, Tyro Estrada is the only guy who's going to run it. He only got 22 stolen bases. Uh, he was hurt a, a bit of the season. Lamont Wade Jr., not a fast guy, but he gets on base. Yeah. But again, you're not going to send him. You're not even going to send him in motion and try to do some hit and runs. That's just not part of baseball anymore. And I don't. I know a lot of people say, well, just do it. But if you got a guy throwing 98, 99 <laughs> miles an hour and you try to go hit and run, what are yeah, the chances the, you're going to put that ball in play? The one thing the Giants do very well is swing and miss at high <laughs> yeah. fastballs. That's that's what that's that's what would be the that would, that would be the strategy against it. Okay, so yeah. here's a question: the Giants, the regime, the front office is very analytical, heavy. Uh, you know, they, I'm sure they have all these modules of of things about why they do what they do. Now, if you are lacking what you just said. And they mm. could not find the speed or their model said, well, we could add this speed, but it would actually hurt more in these other categories where we believe this is actually more valuable to us. Could they be outsmarting themselves on some of this stuff? Because if the idea is, well, when those teams zig, we're going to zag because we can actually win on the margins in this thing that some of these other teams can't do as well as us. I just wonder if at the end of the day, you go talent for talent and you line up Dodgers and Giants. And we'll talk about this because I think Friday's game is the example of the entire, it's the season in a nutshell was Friday's game in LA. You line up those guys and I watched uh, Sunday's game and I, and I saw uh, like six hitters come through the order for the Dodgers. And I went, he would be the best hitter on the Giants. He would be the best hitter on the Giants. And like all six of them, right? Absolutely. Like a J.D. Martinez who's just hanging out because nobody wants him and the Dodgers get him and he has 30 jacks. Like at some point, it's just got to be about talent. And now the Giants may not have the the right uh, timeliness of this because a lot of their younger players are kind of coming up now. And maybe it was like, this year just wasn't the crest and maybe it's going to be next year or the year after where these young guys finally turn into, you know, turn into good players and you can match them up talent wise. Cause we know I mean, you watch Luciano, Luciano, we, we, we figured that one out. Someone correct. Luciano, <laughs> yeah, we you watch Luciano. We were told, we were told <laughs> <laughs> you watch that guy and you go, okay, if you didn't know anything about baseball, you know, to keep your eye on that dude. Every time he hits the ball, it's, it's hit hard. Every time he throws the ball, he's throwing it 100 miles an hour. So there are guys like him and Matos who you go, okay, from a talent standpoint, in two or three years, those guys are going to be able to level up and, and match some of these guys that the Dodgers have. But Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, uh, Brandon Crawford, Casey Schmidt, J.D. Davis, the the – Best version of those guys, when those guys are hot, maybe they can match the other team. But their medium game, their normal game, we're losing that position battle every single time. And that is what is frustrating because I watch that game and I go, man, every single position player on this field, you would rather have the Dodgers guy. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and but I, you know, the Dodgers built this team over the years. They built it from the inside out. Then they went outside and brought in some 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 players that would completely not just round them out, but put them over the top and, and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, so the giants have to make a splash like that. I keep hearing the name Juan Soto thrown around. I keep hearing Pete Alonzo thrown around, but you will have to trade some of these young guys. Yeah. And, and by some of these young guys, it might even have to be Kyle Harrison. I mean, it might it's, have to it's, be all of the young guys. It might have to be yeah, <laughs> Kyle Harrison, Casey Schmidt, Luis Monto. I mean, you might have to throw all these guys in there. Uh, Patrick Bailey's probably untouchable because trying to get a catcher is, is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, franchise catcher. Um, Giants just went through that. They had Buster Posey, and then you had, you know, hey, let's try to figure out what we can do. And and then when Buster Posey was hurt in 2011, and when Buster Posey was, uh, you know, took the year off for the COVID year, uh, those two situations, you're looking at it going, yeah, Buster Posey. I mean, he he was obviously we knew he was the franchise guy, but looking at it, we thought it, it's really hard to get. So Patrick Bailey's going to stick around. Um, but yeah, I, I there's going to have to be this is going to have to be a look in the mirror off season for Zadie and Kapler, and they're going to have to say, look, do, are we going to just go out and get a piece or two and, and trade some of this farm system that we've built up? Are we going to uh, philosophy shift? Are we going to say, look, we need to get somebody who can get on base and steal bases? Because when you're looking in AAA too, and you look at the stolen bases numbers and the speed numbers, this is not a uh, a franchise wide philosophy to have base stealers and guys who are going to get on base and run up and down, run all over the bases. I mean, when you're looking at minor league numbers, you're looking at your stolen base leader is Tyler Fitzgerald with 29 and 102 games. Is he going to be up next year? I don't know. I mean, he's he's an infielder. He could play a little bit of outfield. Uh, they, I know Kapler said they want Luis Matos. They were they were blunt about it. They said we want Luis Matos to be a better outfielder. Uh, yeah. He's okay in left and right, but he is not good in center field, and we need him to be good in all three outfield positions. Bryce Johnson, again, not around, 18 stolen bases. After that, you don't have anybody over 10 stolen bases on the season. Yeah, McCray um, and Von Brown had down years. Yeah. Those guys would have probably been on those lists, but they did not. Yeah, so so when you're looking well. at it, this has to be a season where you decide, do we want to continue to go with this philosophy? Because if you do, I could see them reaching out to Jock Peterson again and saying, hey, you want to stick around for another year? I don't think he does. <laughs> um, I, I think he's looking to move on and go play. He's, he's near the end of his career. He wants to latch back on with Atlanta or the yeah. New York Yankees or somebody and and hit for them. Uh, I say the New York Yankees, they're not going to make the playoffs either. But, you know, Judge <laughs> has been hurt most of the season. Pitching has been, you know, off and on. Radon, that's the one so far mm. that we did not make a mistake on no we did not make a mistake there pretty much gossman gossman was the yeah. guy and if we could have gotten you know possibly judge correa that looks like that that was kind of a bullet dodge again judge judge we talked about this in the offseason he's such a big dude with that big body mm-hmm. he's going to break down he's going to have you know situations where he gets plus hurt. we have we have bryce eldridge the new aaron judge absolutely banging home runs that's right we don't need anything else so yeah it's gonna have to be i would be happy if the giants said hey we're making a little bit of a philosophy change we're gonna try to try to run uh on the bases a little bit more get things moving uh get some team speed get some team speed in the outfield get some team speed on the infield uh be a little bit quicker um you know mitch hanniger 
Michael Conforto, Jock Peterson. These are guys that are on the slower end of the spectrum and they grab them thinking, hey, these guys are just going to hit bombs. But when you look at their OPS numbers, when you look at their slugging numbers and their home runs, it was just a disappointing down year all around. And again, does that fall on hitting philosophy up and down the the the, the organization? Is that something that needs to mm-hmm. change? Because I don't think that will. I don't think philosophies like that are going to change. You don't put that this much money, this this much time, uh, these many years into a philosophy like what they're doing with hitting and pitching and everything else. And then all of a sudden go, yeah, let's switch that up a little bit. Let's, uh, you know, change again. We're not going to know what the hitting philosophy is because they're not going to tell you, obviously, then you know how to pitch to that hitting philosophy. But from, from the inside out is, would you even think that's something they would look at changing? I mean, maybe making some tweaks here and there. Um, what they've been doing is trying to find guys who fit that philosophy instead of, uh, you know, like back in the day where it was like, hey, Barry Bonds is a masher. He hits home runs and he steals bases. Uh, let's get him and let him just do his thing. Uh, it's really not like that anymore, and especially in the Giants organization. So there's another article by Bags that I want to quickly mention and get your thoughts on. This is the first time that I've seen anything about really about the clubhouse come out. And he wrote outfielder, Mike Ostremski, second baseman, Tyro Strada and infielder Wilmer Flores are among those who sought to refocus a clubhouse that has included too many ho-hum reactions to losing along with a near zealotry to a Filipino card game. I'm not going to pronounce it because I'll screw it up (laughs) that Jock Peterson and some other giants players. And why does Jock get named and other giants not get named that that's interesting Uh, appear to find more compelling than studying the Knights opposing starting pitcher. That is and look bags is not going to write that in an, in an irresponsible way, right? That is coming Correct. from somebody who knows something or something. Maybe he's seen it, but that is more than likely coming from somebody on this team who is frustrated with Jock's lack of attention to detail, I, I, I would assume. So that, but that's the first time we've heard about it. Now he also, again, he also mentioned that the, Zade, uh, Kapler polices, you know, wants players to police themselves and that hasn't worked out. And some people wish that that wasn't the way that they handled business. There's one voice in this organization. His name is Buster Posey. Buster Posey was like the controller of the locker room. He was the leader. He was the guy who was in that locker room who, you know, he probably just had to bat his eyes at somebody and they sort of knew like, <laughs> oh, okay, probably shouldn't be doing that. So uh, that comment was very much pointed at Jock. Uh, we have had our issues with Jock just because he is terrible defensively and he hasn't had a good season offensively. Though at the same time, we we never thought that he wasn't trying or that he wasn't working, you know, that he wasn't doing his job. It was just sort of what we saw in the field. So this kind of gives you a different thought process about what might be going on with Jock. And I do wonder, 
you know, is he uninspired because the team is not good? Is he frustrated because the Giants tagged him instead of allowing him to be a free agent? And so he, he I mean, they paid him a lot of money. This was going to be no, more he, money he, per year. He could have, he could have said no. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, so he obviously believed in what was going on. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting that Jock was the one who's kind of got the finger pointed at him. Yeah, I you know, that's a tough one. That's that's some like AJ Pierzynski stuff right there. Right? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. Know, who, who I can't remember who the pitcher was that we had. Um mm, used to also pitch for the Reds. But anyways, he wanted to go over he wanted to go over hitters and AJ Pierzynski was busy playing chess or checkers or something <laughs> like that from what I remember. Uh, old story, true or false, yeah, I don't know. AJ's uh, probably the most hated player when it comes to the fan base in the last 20 years. Yeah. Him, the battery of AJ Pierzynski and Armando Benitez. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter, Hunter Strickland is on, is very high He's, on that list. Yeah. He has some moments. Though. Sam Coonrod is probably pretty yeah. high on that list. Sam but Coonrod's yeah. high on the list, but we hardly even knew him. Yeah. He was kind of like in and out, but, but yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I just sent you a little something that, uh, that uh, uh, popped up from uh, some Ann Killian writing today Uh-oh. as well. Ann's uh, going for next on this one. Oh, man. I don't know if you've read it yet, but it basically says uh, in an article she wrote, Webb says big changes need to be made. In comments to the Chronicle, Susan Slusser, one player said the front office's inaction at the trade deadline showed a lack of confidence in the team. One player told Slusser that Kapler couldn't lose a clubhouse that he never had before quickly backing off the comment as too strong. So that was via Ann Killian's writing. But, you know, again... I, I, Kapler has always seemed to me, not necessarily as like the top manager in the league, kind of more like another elevated player, mm-hmm. almost like a player manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's in there pulling the strings, making the moves, but he's very hands off. He's just kind of lets the, and, and, and it came out in an article today that he kind of lets the players police themselves. Mm-hmm. They kind of take care of their own business. He's not an old school guy like Bruce, Bruce Bochy, who's, you know, 30, 40 years older than the current players. Yeah. Kapler's only, you know, 10 years or so older than these guys. So it's more of like a camaraderie, um, you know, hey guys, we're just trying to win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the moves out here, but uh, you know, you guys may not like it, and and that's just kind of the way it is. So, can you really, I mean, can you really be on board with a guy like that who's kind of more your equal? So that might be an issue going forward. As, uh, but pos- possibly not as Kapler gets older. But again, how much longer is he going to be around with the Giants? I mean, I think the idea when they brought him on was for him to be the Giants' version of Dave Roberts. Right. Dave Roberts is not going to get a lot of credit because he's not putting together that roster, but he's not also not going to get a lot of blame because the dude's like, remember, remember the, the old, uh, the old discussion about him just opening up a binder and turning to the correct page and that kind of basis decision. Like that's, I think what they wanted Kapler to become, but when you win 107 games, you get some of the credit and then, then, you know, when the next two seasons, you kind of fall back to the average, you kind of wonder like, okay, was 2001 just the outlier and 2022 and 2023 is kind of more what, what the roster is. Now I mentioned this Friday's game 
and uh and we'll we'll wrap up this part of the conversation i didn't expect it to go this long but you know we're, <laughs> this is the hey. end of the season we can kind of we got a lot to say yeah we we can talk about the the frustration but friday's game giants are competing they are playing decent baseball for the first five or six innings mike Ostremski forgets how many outs there are in a uh well at that point was it like one one or two one it was a close game forgot the outs uh the the runner on third tagged up and scored and he was trying to run the ball into the infield uh john miller on his uh play-by-play on the radio kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt he was like you know, he didn't think the runner was going to run. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, hmm, I don't yeah. think so. Maybe that's how John saw it uh, as it was. Yeah. There was another moment. I don't remember if this was the same game or if this was uh, one of the other games in the series. Balls hit out in front of Yastrzemski, and it just skips by him to to the fence. And it's like... I think Mike that was is, Sunday. Sunday. Mike Yastrzemski is not the reason why the Giants are not playing good baseball you do not count on Mike Yastrzemski to be one of your two or three best players on the team Mike Yastrzemski is like a fantastic fourth outfielder for a very good baseball team he would be a fan favorite on a good baseball team because he would do all of the things that you need him to do as a guy who plays one out of every three three games two out of every three games but here they count on him to do so much because they don't have a lot of consistent quality ball players. So there was another moment in this game where I want to say Hanniger was in left. Chris Taylor was at second and they hit a semi deep fly ball to Hanniger. I don't know if he didn't think Taylor was going to tag up and try and get to third, but Taylor tags up, gets the third that the giants don't throw him out. And that was just like another comparison. And you're like, nobody on the giant except for maybe Tyro could do that. Nobody would test the outfielder's arm because they just don't have any team speed. And at the same time, defensively, if you're a good defensive player, you want that guy to tag up because you want to show off your hose Mm -hmm. to throw that guy out. And that's just not how the, the giants don't seem to have very many players like that who are just like, you know, I, I wish you would, right? Yeah. Like, go for it. I want you to do like they're just like, ah, you know, we're just here to play baseball. There's 162 games. You know, if you roll out the ball and you do these calculations, eh, we'll win 81 of them. And if we're better than the margins on this, then maybe we'll win 87. Like, that's kind of how that the, the yeah. Giants look on the field. So, with the exception of that bulldog that they had on the mound yesterday, he seems to be the a little bit different from, from that kind of mentality. But in the end, the Dodgers make like two plays that really stand out that the Giants cannot make. And then when you do that, then you're like, okay, let's play the last three innings. And Luke Jackson's like, I'm going to bounce this one in the dirt. I'm going to bounce <laughs> this one in the dirt. And by the time the game is over, you look at the scoreboard and you're like, how did this game get to be seven to two? We were in this thing the whole time. And that is just the difference between those two teams. It is one or two plays on the field where the aggressiveness and the talent just overrides the giants. They can't do anything. And then you're, you're, you know, in a deficit and now trying to play catch up with the Dodgers is just almost impossible. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of those games lately. I, I, 
I, I've noticed, like you said, too, it'll be like, hey, we're only down 3-2 going to the seventh inning, and then we lose 9-2. to two, and you're Yeah, like, and wow. the, the, the other game this just last week was that game in Arizona where right. uh, Wilmer, I, he makes a swipe tag, and the ball flies out of his glove, and he's got to run. He's like, yeah. run? This is yeah, run. I don't want to run after this ball. And Corbin Carroll just takes third and takes home, and it's like, oh, that's how you can steal a run, and the Giants don't do that at all. So, yeah, and those are gritty baseball players. And yeah, yeah it's, I hate to even say it because I know these guys work their tails off, man, but we don't have the gritty baseball instinct guys. We're not going to get, we're not gonna just going to call up an Ellie Dela Cruz from the minor leagues because we don't have them. We're scouting guys. We're not scouting those guys so much. <laughs> you know, the dirt bags, the guys who uh, have been around the diamond and, yeah. and, and just going crazy and diving and all this fun stuff. Meckler that they hope that Meckler turns yeah, into we're a version Speckler, of that, right? Yeah. We're hoping Spexler gets to be that guy. We we're scouting the guys that walk more than they strike out. (laughs) That's kind of what. (laughs) All right. Real quickly. uh, You're not, you you have to prepare. You're being a very responsible human being tonight. You're drinking tea. Uh, I'll tell you what I did. I went to Trader Joe's because I, every time I, I go to Chipotle, there's a Trader Joe's right there. And sometimes yeah, I put my order for Chipotle and I go, oh, I got five minutes. Let me stop in at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's now has an old fashioned mix, kind of like the, the mm-hmm. one that I got from Bullet and some of these other ones. So I yes. grabbed that. And then uh, we always talk about the Kentucky Best bourbon that we use as the mixer. Well, they had another Sour Mash bourbon, same mm-hmm. price. I don't know if it's the same uh, brand or not. But I was like, oh, I don't have this one. I have the other one. Let me pick up this one. And so very, you know, very inexpensive uh, purchase there. And so I had uh, some of the old fashioned tonight, uh, obviously a little carbier than, than I'm used to. But if I have, you know, one a week, I, I'm generally OK. But the other thing, and this is kind of a trick because you sent me an app that uh, makes sure that we are being responsible with our intake. Yes. And so. What I uh, kind of how I, I've gamed this app a little bit is I have the old fashioned, which counts as the the uh, the one. And then I have, you know, I make sure the ice kind of goes down a little bit, gets a little water. You still have a little bit of the mix. Then I put a little sour mash in there and you still have a little bit of the mm-hmm. of the old fashioned flavor in there. So that so and and I make sure I stay under the uh, the amount there and, and uh, under your two point yes. uh, units yeah under that's units. what I I like to pour like you know I'll get myself like a forty three percent bourbon like an Evan Williams I'll, I'll pour my two ounces but I'll put two ice cubes in because mm-hmm. I want it to kind of like I want to I want to drink it for quite a while or yeah. like last night during the Rams game ounce and a half of um, Evan Williams uh, bottled and bond which is fifty percent. I put that in a ginger ale, sipped on that for quite a while, and that was only like 1.4 drinks, yeah, 1.4 units or something like that. Yeah, tonight I've got the uh, I've got tea, um, nice mug there. I, yeah, you like that? It's a glazed lemon loaf tea. <laughs> there you go. It's actually really good. It's not sweet. Uh, I mean, it tastes sweet, but it doesn't have any sugar in it. It's a it's from Tazo Tazo or whatever it is. But yeah, I got a cholesterol check tomorrow because I'm an old man, so I got to keep doing those. And uh, so that's in the morning. And I've noticed, and I've done some reading up on it. If you have alcohol, 
the night before a cholesterol check. And it's also a full like CBC panel. And mm-hmm. it, it definitely could up your blood sugar levels. Oh, interesting. Uh, so when you take your test in the morning, but also can throw off the cholesterol check right. just a little bit. So I thought, man, let me be good tonight. And I'm just going to drink tea and water. Uh, I'll probably have more tea as the night goes on. Sure. Boring old man, but yeah. but tomorrow night I'll get back to it. There you go. <laughs> All right. So the way that we're going to end this show is we were going to do kind of like our most disappointing and our most giancy players of the season. I don't want to do the disappoint. We've bagged on these guys and yeah. bagged bagged is hard. We've been, I think we've been fair in in our criticism, but I want to end this in in a fun way in a in a positive way. And we'll save our some of our other lists for next week because we'll we'll be able to do more of this as the season ends. Uh, I want your top three, like, and I, I'm thinking of like the McCovey Award type of players, yeah. like your inspiration, your your guys who had just been like throughout this 162, or I think right now we're at like 150 some odd games. These guys like they they just played their butts off, and they were so fun to watch. And I'm gonna do we, we each have different lists. Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll do like a three, a two, and then a one. I'm guessing we're probably going to have the same player for number one. But do do you do you want me to start or do you want to start? Oh, why don't you go ahead? Okay, so I'm going to start with number three. This guy, uh, he's been trying to pitch through some injuries. Uh, he he he's hobbling around on a bad hip, and I, you know I got to see this guy live and in color. Pitch a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic game where he almost got a no-hitter, eight and two-thirds innings, and uh, he finally gave it up. And that person is Alex Cobb. That is my number three for my giancy player of uh, of this year. I like that. He was going to be on my list. I, I'm going to go pitcher also to start with. And my most gianty pitcher, it was kind of a toss-up, but I'm going to go, and I've talked about this guy earlier too. I've talked about him in the last couple of weeks. I think I might have a man crush. I don't know if it's on the on the on the flow or not, but Sean Manea <laughs> has really kind of come around, and and he's the guy I was hoping we would get. Yeah, when we signed him to the to the two year deal because his velocity was up and and things were getting a little bit better for him, but for Sean Manea to fight through everything he had to at the beginning of the season and to become that dude in the second half that we're even looking now at possibly if he opts in to say this guy could be in our rotation and can go six and seven innings next season uh, for him to make that turnaround. He, he's one of my, he's number three on my giancy players list. All right. So number two and, and look, you know, Manea's numbers when it comes to, to the to the end of the season they're not going to be fantastic but right. uh he has improved upon them and he has been in a role that has been unpredictable like some players like that consistency they like that you know predictability of what they do and sometimes they don't get that and you hear about it i haven't really yeah. heard about it from Manea, so and he kept uh, I, his head down. He kept yeah. his head down and just did his thing. I mean, when you look at his his August ERA was 3.15 in 20 innings pitched. And his September ERA so far is 
yeah. in 21 innings pitch. So, I mean, he, like I said, he's really just kind of put his head down, done his thing, uh, and given the Giants everything he's got. And what we hope is that if he opts in, which we think he's going to do, he does the same thing that he did last year, which was, remember, yep. remember when, when we signed him, the first quote that was kind of uh, an eye-opener was, Usually I don't work very hard in the off season and this <laughs> yeah. year I finally, you know, and, and so let's hope that that yeah. is going to be his, uh, his creed this off season. Got as well. some motivation. All right. My number two guy is uh, somebody who has been on this team for several years now. He is not, he's never going to be, you never want this guy to be your best player. And it's not because he's, he's not good enough. It's just, if he's your third or fourth best hitter, you have a really good baseball team. Uh, unfortunately for this, this team, he's been their best hitter all season long. And that is Wilmer Flores. Wilmer Flores in 393 ABs. And he was not playing every day earlier in the season. He is hitting 285 with the 356 OBP 22 jacks. 57 RBI and he is slugging over 500. I'm going to guess he's the only Giants player who is slugging over 500. And yeah. I just think he's been uh he's been great. Like he's like if he is your best player, you probably didn't have that great of a team, but it has just been fun watching him just rip left-handed pitching into the into the <laughs> into the seats like that's just what he does and so i i don't want to uh speak i i'm, I'm kind of i feel like i'm kind of being a little negative on it but i just think he's been fantastic in what he's been above what we expect him to do and uh, even though you know defensively he's had to play a little bit more than we've probably wanted him to but that has just kind of been the case with this team you know when you have all of these players who you just play them all around and you know, their gi giants are making so many moves every game. Sometimes defensively, especially at the end of the game, you're left with guys that you don't necessarily want to see uh, defensively, but just yeah. offensively has been tremendous. And that's where the roster has to build next year is you, you got to look at it and say, can we keep Wilmer in the DH spot? Is that a guy we can DH the entire game, not have to take him out, you know, not have to make moves where we have to see him in the field? Do we have guys who could play the infield and, and do different things? So that's kind of where they have to go. I'm going to go another pitcher with my number two because I love when this guy throws. I love his slider. Uh, I want to see him in the back end of the bullpen next season. I want to see him as your your seventh or eighth inning guy, and that's Ryan Walker, kind of thrust into uh, the bullpen midway through the season out of necessity. They really needed an arm. Rookie, 57 and a third innings pitch, 73 strikeouts. Got to bring the walks down. He's got 22 walks in 57 and a third, 58 hits as well, uh, seven home runs. But um, – you know, almost a three ERA, three point one four. He's one of those guys, though, that yeah, he he was he was put in a role that not necessarily it's not necessarily what he wanted to do. He didn't want to be the opener, um, 
but he embraced the role. And to have a guy like that that you can look at next season and go, man, can we get him back with Camilo Duvall? Could he possibly be your closer as well? I mean, if he's throwing that nasty slider and he can control that thing and, and get in there and, and go one, two, three, could he possibly also help you out in the closing role next season? Um, so, uh, yeah, he's he's my number two, the, the great rookie Ryan Walker. Yeah, and he was way better earlier in the season. I'm sure he got a little tired. Out of gas. He's yeah. I mean, he's pitched upwards of 50 innings in, in the minors in a season before, but pitching in the minors and pitching against major league hitting, I'm sure is uh, a little bit a little bit harder on, yeah. on the arm uh for for that. Okay. My number one is Logan Webb. Uh he the, the thing about Logan Webb and the thing that I worry about a little bit if he's your ace, he's a sinker ball pitcher, and he's going to give up contact. That is kind of his job is to make yep. sure that people uh, put the ball on the ground. They need to invest in defense. They really, really need to invest in an infield defense because if he is your ace, your defense is going to have to play well behind him. Now, there are a couple yeah. things that I really liked about his season. Uh, we remember last year in the offseason, Zaidi was saying how, you know, we want him to strike out more, more batters. Like, we want him to miss more bats. Now, he didn't get up to his 2021 strikeouts per nine, which was almost 10, but he did improve by half of a strikeout uh, per nine, he went from 7.6 last year to 8.1 this year. But the other thing that he did tremendously well, he cut down his walks per nine from 2.3 to 1.3. So he had 6.26 strikes per walk, which is by far the highest in his career. Um, and you know, he's, he's gonna get, he's gonna give up hits, which is the other thing yesterday. He, when he had that, that complete game. He gave up nine hits in nine innings. So it's not like, you know, he was striking everybody. This wasn't a doc good in, in his prime complete game, but he's going to give up a few hits here and there. They're going to put the bat on the ball, but he's going to battle. He's going to attack these guys and you're going to see lots of pop-ups and you're going to see lots of called third strikes because he's just constantly attacking. And, you know, part of what Baggerly wrote one way, if you're Zaidi, and you want to tell this guy, hey, man, we got your back. Not only are we going to improve this offense, but, you know, we're going to, we're going to make sure that this defense is solid behind you. We, you know, we, we know Casey Schmidt defensively is going to be a much better player. Uh, he's not probably not going to hit, but maybe he does get to play, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, uh, a little bit more. Maybe whoever replaces Crawford, whether it's uh, Luciano or Fitzgerald or, they find somebody else not named Paul DeYoung that, <laughs> you know, but, Poor but Paul. let's, but yeah, Paul, Paul had a rough, he had a rough time here. <laughs> after this mm. uh, you know, but, but first base, you know, maybe Wade isn't the guy Wade struggled with his defense this year. I think he, he may have had, you know, the most errors of a first baseman. Maybe he's better in, in the outfield. Um, so that's something that they have to look at though, because this guy is going to, uh, cause players to hit the ball on the ground. And you got to be able to field the baseball behind him because 11 and 13 off of the numbers that he put up were kind of ridiculous. 
Yeah, for sure. And and I love Logan Webb. Uh, we've got him for a long time. I like that he speaks his mind too. That yeah. I mean, you, you've got to have that on a team, especially if you're struggling, especially if you were expected to be in the playoffs just six weeks ago and, and not even six weeks, maybe like four weeks ago. And yeah. all of a sudden you start falling off and things happen. You've got to be able to be a team leader. So Logan Webb could be that Buster Posey guy that walks around the, 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 uh, you know, the clubhouse and says, Hey, this is how it's going to be here going forward. Yes. Um, my number one may surprise you. And, uh, one of my favorite players on the team, uh, the, the one dude that I'd like to sit down and have a beer with, I don't know if he'd have much to say. <laughs> I think knowing me and, and kind of what I've seen from him, I would do most of the talking, <laughs> but we would just, it would be a cool hang. And, uh, and, and my most gianty player this season, my, my Willie Mack dude. And I think he's already won the award is Lamont Wade jr. Mm-hmm. Um, he is one of my favorite players on the team. And, and mainly because he was told like, Hey, first base is yours. It's, it's yours to have. Um, oh, we just got some late news. Kyle Harrison was scratched and Brebby is going to get the start. No, oh, gosh. Uh, and, and, and then Alex Wood is going to get the bulk of the innings after that. So I'm sure he's happy about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, kind of put into that role at first base, uh, took over for Brandon Belt. And uh, he's done a serviceable job at first base. Not, not awful uh he's had his growing pains there and i'm sure he made a good play he, last night to save that save that game absolutely nice throw i mean the throw wasn't fantastic patrick bailey made a good play on it and brought, he blocked, brought the ball I mean, he down essentially and, blocked the play oh, that was, <laughs> yeah he just threw his foot out there and got uh got the the runner to slide and, and basically hit his hand yeah um or hit his foot and and i like the fact too that that lamont wade jr's was healthy this season went back to who he was. Uh, when you look at the numbers, we expect Lamont Wade Jr. to get on base quite a bit, 74 walks and 95 strikeouts. Power has been coming around a little bit more uh, towards the end of the season here, 17 home runs, 45 ribs. He hits at the top of the order, 63 runs scored. Uh, that's the most on the team. Um, just one of those guys that that I want him to stick around for a while. I want him to be with the Giants for a while. But but like you had said, like in a Wilmer Flores situation, I want Lamont and Wade Jr. to be like our fifth best hitter. I don't yeah. want him to be in our top three um, because then that means we're struggling and having a little bit of a tough time. So yeah. uh, let, let's add to this lineup. Let's let's uh, you know deepen this lineup and get Lamont and Wade Jr. hitting second or seventh maybe not not near the top or not not three four five somewhere mm-hmm. in there but uh you know my most gianty willie mack san francisco giant of 2023 has to be lamont wade jr always fun to watch too his, his bats are always very good he's got such a fantastic eye. i mean he was he he was earlier in the season he was upwards of you know, above 400 with his on base and it kind of came down a little bit, but still yeah, 377 on base for, for the year so far uh, that, and that's, that's good. You live with that. And Oh, absolutely. And he can build on that too. I mean, yeah. he's young enough. He can build on that next season, stay healthy and, and everything could look really good for him next year. All right. We will be back next week to wrap up this season. Uh, you know, we're not going to sit here and we're not going to, feel sorry for ourselves as fans and we're not going to go, Oh, you know, fire this person and fire that person. Woe is us. We are just not that kind of podcast. So we're going to find some of the positivity. We'll be critical when we need to be critical, but you know, the off season is 
this is going to be the most important offseason for this regime. And, uh, you know, the thing that I didn't even mention, which was also kind of late information, was uh, Ken Rosenthal. He had his top five for Shohei. His top two are the Dodgers and the Mets. And then the three dark horses, which he said, you know, do not give up on these teams, Giants, Rangers, and Mariners. So we're still on that list. I like being on that list. Yeah, and I would and be we really sad of, if we were not on that list. We've got a lot of money to throw around. Uh, we've got a good city, uh, and, and and we've got a situation where we could make it. I mean, it's obviously not not going to pitch next season, but you could make it so that in in twenty twenty five, when he does come back to pitch, you're not overloading the guy because no. that's the Giants' philosophy. So if you still have Kapler and Zadie around, that's kind of the way you, you know you can. You, you want to pack that ballpark? Grab Otani. Oh, grab him! Yeah, and I'm not going to be here next week. I am in Anaheim in Disneyland. Um, so just just as a reminder for everybody there. Yeah, and I'll either I'll either find someone to do this show with or maybe maybe what I might actually do is uh a couple of solo shows just to kind of uh get through some of the news and all that stuff. That that cool. is also possible. But we'll have content for for next yeah. week. Uh, all right. For Brad, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.